Hi, thanks for joining us for another edition of Chronic Conversations. This is your host, Jerry Leonard, a.k.a. Jerry Anderson, along with my co-host and beautiful wife. Everybody say hello to Jen. What's up? What's up? All right, today we have a very special guest. Before we get to him, I want to give a shout-out to the guy that kind of made this happen, uh, Mr. Chris Hopkins. Uh, shout-out to you, a very funny comedian. Look him up. Uh, if you're somewhere where he's going to be at, then definitely go check out one of his shows. Um, our guest today is, uh, I say former MMA fighter. You retired? Yeah, yeah, I quit like four years ago. About four years ago? Okay. Uh, Jason Riley, thanks for being with us, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. Um, so let's go back to teenager Jason, about junior high, high school, uh, I guess what they call middle school now. I'm old, so I call it junior high. Um, did you play any sports back then? Were you into anything? Martial yeah, arts I mean, game? I was in regular football, basketball. Um, didn't really have wrestling at the school I went to. I graduated down in Florida. Okay. I'm from here. Or, well, I'm from Ohio originally, and then. My mom moved down to Florida my junior and senior year, so right. I ended up graduating from down there. My mom's from Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, she ended up moving down south before she, she had me, so very similar story. Yeah, snowbirds. They want to get away from the cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy from Ohio say one time, he's like, you never uh, hear about people retiring and going to Ohio, do you? No. I was like, no. <laughs> uh, uh so what led you to uh, MMA? Did were you always a fan or? Um, no, actually, my problem was is, uh, I yeah, I was always a fan. Like I watched the first UFCs before they were like, it was a lot okay. of underground stuff. Right. Back in the day, like when they had the open tournaments, where I think the the the, the one thing I remember the most is when that short dude fought that huge guy and ended up knocking his teeth out yeah, like I yeah. think that was like his tooth went flying they did a slow mo and it went flying out of the cage but I was never a guy that like picked fights with anybody right like I always stuck to myself I mean I I wouldn't say I had a lot of friends but I knew a lot of people right does that make sense like a lot yeah. of people knew me a lot of people liked me but I wasn't like in any circles I usually talked to a bunch of different people so yeah. and it still holds true today right but, but I wasn't really like I just liked it uh-huh. and then I didn't really get into I guess fighting until I think my first fight was 23 something like wow. that Okay. I think I was 23 and how that happened was a buddy of mine was like hey you want to fight I was like sure I'll try it I trained for two weeks and I took my first fight oh wow what was that like Yeah. on two weeks I mean um, that's so, so what's crazy about that story is I ended up fighting uh, on two weeks' notice. Uh, I believe his name was Corey Blankenship. He was a Marion cop. Oh, wow. And so that, and it's, I mean, I I could care less whether he's a cop or not, but on that fight, my best friend, who's not like I consider my brother, Frankie, at the time, had fought right before me, and he got set up and ended up fighting a guy out of Indiana who had a, extreme record but back then they didn't keep records this was frankie's right. first fight well he ended up oh, in no. his nose bro like and so i was like that's my brother like um, right. when i walk out this dude's getting the brunt of the punishment for that <laughs> yeah. dude beating up my buddy so uh, long story short i think i ended up that was my first fight i ended up getting a call from the promoter the next day because i 
crushed both orbital sockets and that dude's nose. Damn. And I wow. felt bad about it. At right. the time, I didn't feel bad about it. But after, I did because now this dude's going to be out of work forever and how's he going to take care of right. his family? So I'm, I'm like, it it's was like a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to my wife about that last night. I was remembering uh, uh, when I boxed in high school and um, I was telling her I had gotten a knockout and it, it was this... At first, there was this adrenaline rush and this excitement and and this this great you know euphoria really. And then, but shortly after that, I started thinking, you know, this, you know, I just knocked this guy out. You know, that's you know, it starts weighing on your conscience a little bit. How do you deal with the 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 two different guys talking on your shoulder about something like that and push through it and stay mentally focused? Um, so it it starts to become like the first couple fights, amateur fights. Mm-hmm. It was. You're literally fighting off a, a little bit of training and a whole lot of adrenaline. Right, right. And then as time goes on, it's the opposite. You rely on your training, your coaches. Um, you learn to control the adrenaline. Yeah. You end up keeping a level head. And it's more you, you transition into, I'm, I'm fighting this guy to fight for my life, and now I'm fighting for sport. Right. Like it, it flips a switch, and eventually over time, if you do it long enough, it just changes. Yeah. So, so how many fights in were you? What was your your experience like before the Tim Sylvia fight? So, um, do you want the amateur? You want to go right into my first pro, second pro, third two off Tim? Because I fought Tim on my sixth pro fight, which is ridiculous. Well, you know, I kind of had a feeling when we was talking earlier, and you you talked about starting so soon. I I figured it might have come about uh, uh, rather quickly. How did that come about? And and Um, well. Previous to that, my first, let me just say this. When I yeah, fought, man. you fought anybody and everybody. It's not like today, in my opinion, where everybody wants to fight what they call a goldfish, which is like uh, you got guys that are 8-1 and one fighting guys that are like 3-4. and four. They got losing oh, records. See, in my time, when I fought, yeah. it was, hey, you got a phone call the night before. Hey, a guy dropped out. Do you want to fight tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, I'll fight tomorrow. Like, yeah. so you didn't turn down fights. And no, and Not some, like today. And some people don't know that, that back then, too, you know, it, it didn't really matter the weight class as much either. It's like, this guy might well, outweigh you by 15, in, 20 pounds, right? Well, no, because I came in when there was weight classes, but my okay. weight class is different. Because yeah. being a heavyweight, you can be 206 up to 265. Like, yeah. I think that's a little ridiculous. But right. very few guys ever fought. If they were 220, they cut down to 205. If they were 230, they cut down to 205. Very right. few guys fought at the high end of the 265 mark, unless you were around 250, 260 all the time. Yeah. But back to what I was saying, Mm -hmm. guys back then fought on short notice all the time. Right. Now, that's what made me quit fighting, in all honesty, Mm -hmm. is four years ago, well, we're getting off track now. Let's get back on track and then I'll explain why. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. So, um, I had beaten some tough guys in my amateur career. Well, then my third pro fight, I took a uh, fight against a UFC vet mm-hmm. and ended up beating him for 15 minutes. Like, I won a unanimous decision. Right. And then I ended up losing, I think it was my fourth fight on, I call it an eye poke. They didn't see it, but that's part of the game. I right. got a thumb in the eye, ended up having to quit, or the ref stopped it. Mm-hmm. Then um, how I came about with Tim is... Um, my trainer Josh who's a really good friend of mine now Josh Williams who still trains fighters today 
um, at Ronan Training Center. Um, he had called me. He said, you're not going to believe this. You know, Monty Cox called and said, hey, would your heavyweight be interested in fighting Tim Sylvia? And this was on like, I think, I want to say it was only like a two weeks notice. Man. Maybe three weeks at that. And he called me and said, what do you think? I was like, well, you're my trainer. You already know what I'm going to say because we don't turn down fights. Right, right. So what do you want to do? He was like, I think it's we could win. I honestly think we can win, Jay. I was like, well, fuck it. Let's go do it. So we got told that we had to be at least 65 to fight. Uh-huh. I said, cool, no problem. I'm, I walked around at like 62, 63 all the time. So I really didn't have to cut any weight. Well, we get to Iowa. That's not true. Tim ended up weighing in at like 330. Wow. And I'm like, Josh was like, dude, you said we had to be under 65. And he's weighing in at 330. Yeah. It was like 330. It was, it was well over 265. Yeah, my God. I was like, whatever. <clears throat> no big deal. So that's how I ended up fighting Tim. It was a short notice fight. What, what was it? Was it was right after he lost the heavyweight belt, too. Okay. What, what was it like versus, like, maybe your very first time standing in the cage to that time? I mean, by this time, you're, you're at least a few fights in, so you have a little bit of experience, you know, maybe starting to feel a little more comfortable, shaking off some of the nerves. Yeah. Was this just another day at the office, or was it like I'm about to fight well, fucking Tim Sylvia here, or, or what was it like? It, it, it's like a um, – it's so on the day of the fight, like, for me, I went through a lot of them. Like, it was like – fighters want to say they're not scared or they're not this or they're not that you're full of shit yeah like you're just then you're straight a psychopath. Up full of crap. yeah <laughs> yeah so it was like like how i would give i don't even know how to explain it other than i would sit in front of the computer and i would watch videos like i would get all emotional and one minute i'm just like ready to kill everything right and then the next minute you go through doubt like all right am i really ready for this have i trained enough blah 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 and then What's funny is like while you're sitting in a hotel room and um, you're getting ready for weigh-ins and all that stuff, like your nerves are just going at 100 miles an hour. For me, mm-hmm. what switched was at the weigh-ins. Like when you go to face-off, like it was all right. Like, yeah, no, it's time to fight. Like my right. brain would switch and it'd be like fight or flight mode. And I always went for the fight route rather than the fly route. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Because I wanted to prove myself. Like, right. I've always been that even even now um I, i've always wanted to prove myself in anything i do not that i want to be better than anybody i'm never in competition with anyone it's always in competition with myself but i believe in life your biggest competition is always going to be yourself whether yeah. you get knocked down or not right so it was and then the fight day with him nerves i didn't have any what, what? i've always been that way there to fight i didn't have any nerves what is fight day like for you? Do you eat? Do you, do you get sleep the night before? Do you do you watch TV well, to try yeah, to distract I, yourself? Music? I sleep. No, I sleep just fine. I usually mm-hmm. just watch TV at the hotel, eat breakfast, go to lunch. But probably about three or four hours before the fight, I don't eat anything. I just drink water because I don't want to. I never wanted to sit um, on a full stomach and fight. Last That's thing right. I want to do is <laughs> throw up in the middle of the cage. <laughs> right. <laughs> Liver shot. Oh, yeah. But I was always that guy, too. Like, people didn't come pay to watch two guys wrestle. Right. Like, yeah. as much as I love MMA, and I'm not bad on the ground. Uh-huh. I, have, I have a good wrestling defense. I'm pretty good at jujitsu. But I always said, if I'm going to go out, 
I'm going out swinging. Yeah. So, yeah. Me or him, one's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. He's getting knocked out or I'm getting knocked out. We're going to give the fans a fight. I yeah. was always like a fan favorite. Yeah, that's 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 the lost part of MMA, isn't it? The the entertainment part. People forget that it's also entertaining, and and you're not just trying to defend yourself, but you're trying to be entertaining as well. Yeah, but for me today, I don't, I can't watch fight MMA fighting anymore. Like uh, politics ruined the sport for me. Right. And that, and it turns into much of the WWE where. Everybody wants to talk crap, and nobody wants to fight. And you see all these fights that they talk, 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 and then somehow the fight gets canceled. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, okay, was that planned, or did the guy really get injured? So it's like, I'm not saying fights are set up, because I've never seen it happen, never in my life seen somebody, like, just throw a fight for money. Never, ever. I can say that, honestly. I've never seen that in MMA. But things have changed now, like, for me, it's just in my era, you you wanted to test yourself and fight the best. If you wanted to be the best, you fought the best, and that's right. just not the case anymore. No, no, it's it's not even. I mean, it, it, titles almost don't even mean anything anymore. Everybody just wants that big payday fight, no matter who it is or how entertaining it would be. It's just, yeah. You still have the itch. Oh, I always have. That's why I do bodyguard work and security for celebrities now. Okay, because <laughs> it's like. It's like the same kind of adrenaline rush, but it's now I'm protecting people. So it's like the opposite end. Instead of beating people up, now I'm protecting people. You, you still train though to keep in shape, or what do you do to keep in shape? Is oh, it a different thing for security than it was MMA? Or no, I, I still I still train. I don't train as much um, like uh, at, as far as fighting fight training and stuff like that. But I keep in good cardio shape. I still lift weights. Right. I still hit the heavy bag, speed bag. I do footwork drills, stuff like that for agility, mm-hmm. you know, because now you're in a real world where no referee people can actually get, yeah, nobody, somebody can actually get killed. So, yeah, you know, if it happens in a cage or in a boxing ring, it's an accident. It's not all purpose. Well, what is that like too? having uh, uh, not, I mean, you know, cause in a cage you're protecting yourself, but you know, in that kind of business, you're protecting somebody else. What's it like to have that kind of responsibility on your shoulders to, to have that person's life, uh, basically in your hands if you're good at it it's not bad right so i got started by my brother named uh his name is country mm-hmm. uh, he uh him and i still work together now um on all these big events that we do together like uh we're getting ready to do security for kane brown mm-hmm. uh, jordan davis all these country artists that are coming up this summer because events are starting to come back but you, you got to know you can, for one, you got to know how to talk to people. You don't always have to be aggressive. You can talk people right. down. You can de-escalate. Most of the people, yeah, most of the time it's de-escalation. Yeah. Like a lot of people take the opposite route. They don't know what they're doing, and they get super aggressive, and that's what causes problems. Yeah, that's when things go bad. So if you know how to talk to people and communicate, and like I'm a people person, my my wife tells me all the time that. I'm a social butterfly. Like no matter where I go, people want to talk to me. Even if I don't talk to anybody, somebody always comes up and wants to talk to me. Right. Right. So I've learned to interact with people and talk to people. And I've learned to, uh, you can, you can tell by somebody's body language, whether they're there to cause problems or if they're just a fan that really, really just likes the artist and really wants to get close to them. Yeah. Like you can just, you can tell just my body language once you've been doing it for a while that, 
whether this guy's going to be a threat or this guy's going to be or this girl's going to be a threat, so on and so forth. And, and different different celebrities, I guess, bring on different threats. Like uh, you'd mentioned Kane Brown. I mean, uh, uh, that might uh, not not be on the harder end protecting him from the 13-year-old girls and such. But uh, what about, I understand you've done uh, security for somebody. What's it like doing it for somebody like Mike Tyson? I mean. Mike is easy because yeah. nobody wants to fuck with Mike. Right, right. Do Mike, people see. I want Mike. So I was doing, what? I, how that came about was I was doing um, the VIP security for Rolling Loud in, um, I think it was either LA. Yeah, it was Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was in the area where all the celebrities were watching the concert. It was It's the world's biggest rap event in the world. Like they don't uh, do, it's over 200,000 people oh a God. night. Yeah. Yeah. So like, well, Mike, Mike was up in my area and, I got to interact with him. Cool dude. I mean, Mike is like super chill, super Big cool. Fan, yeah. And he was like, Hey, I want to go down there in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, let's go. So I walked Mike through probably 50,000 people to the back of the stage. Cause he wanted to go out back. He wanted to go behind the stage and meet the artists and shake hands. So right. I walked with him, had two other people walk with us and it was just like a bubble. Right. And we just walked right through the crowd and everybody's like, Hey, it's Mike. Nobody, nobody, not one person tried to come in. I mean, when you got two or three guys my size and Mike Tyson, nobody's going to yeah, well, be like, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Does it? I, I wonder. I'm uh, uh, not so much for Mike, but somebody that sees you being a bigger guy is, is there? Are are there those that that want to challenge you simply because you're the bigger guy, or oh, and, only when they got beer goggles on? Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, is it? Yeah. Can you reason with those? people that have really intoxicated or do you handle that differently or how do you handle that situation? It it all goes back to their body language. Mm -hmm. It all goes back to how they're interacting with you. If they're being aggressive with you right off the rip or if they're trying to be cool. So like, you know, if they're trying to be cool, you just talk to them like you would, like you and I are having a conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. you just try to read what they're saying. And if this person's having problems in their life, you know, they're more prone to, be more aggressive because now they can't take it out on that person. They're going to try to take it out on you because they're drunk. Right. So when it comes to that, you just, there's certain moves you can use, um, that I've learned through all the years of fighting in jujitsu. Like I don't need to punch anybody. I don't need to hit somebody. I can, I can, I can take you down on the ground and subdue (laughs) you and hog tie you and take you out. Yeah. Yeah. Twist up like a pretzel. That's (laughs) it. I've, 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 that's, that's, I felt that, and I'd much rather be punched in the face than a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's just, it's it's a fun gig to do. I, right. I enjoy doing it. I mean, I still work a full-time job. I still do that. And then I run security for a few bars here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Myself and country run all of the, um, a lot of the bars downtown in Columbus, Ohio, so. And and uh, you're, you're married, correct? Yeah. And how long have you been married? Is it Has it been this, a, a long one? No, so. I was married once before. Okay. If I'd have had my if I'd have had my wife that I have now, yeah, I probably would have been world champ. I know the feeling, yeah. I might like, have been Joe uh, Rogan. <laughs> not the not the. I don't want to bash my ex wife. No, but like, of course not. Yeah, it was never the support system was never there. Right, right. Like it was unless the paycheck was there after fight day. Hey, can I go buy something? That's uh, the only support I got. Gotcha. But now, like my wife, now we get along. I mean, we've been together eight years. I think we may have been in one little argument. It wasn't even an argument. It was a conversation, a disagreement that we fixed within 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So if I'd have had my wife now, that back then, 
who knows where I'd be because where I've been with her in eight years, like the sky's the limit for us. It does. It makes all the difference in the world. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, having support of, of even a small circle of people that's real support that really love you and really have your success and your best interest at heart is can sometimes be a key in that success or a piece of the puzzle that's often missing is is people don't surround themselves with the right people. Um, have you always been just good at reading people or, or how do you keep, you know, the back to when I was in high school, like I didn't hang out with, I didn't hang out with a lot of people. I was more of my own, I wouldn't say entertainment, but like, I've always had trust issues my whole life right. like with people because I've been burned so many times. So when I pick my circle of friends, like it's my circle of friends and, and also with my circle of friends, if you're sitting at my table, if you're not bringing nothing to the table, I don't want you sitting at my table. It's not that we can't be friends, right? but at the same time, if you're not benefiting your life and the people around you or no. trying to motivate the people around you, I don't see the point in having them sit at your table. Right. Life is too short to be miserable. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got some people that have, they seem to have a, a, a problem for every solution or an excuse, right? No matter. Because not, not, what I've learned with people, because of the industry that I'm in, and it's probably going to sound harsh, but a lot of people need to hear it is, mm-hmm. 90% of the people in your life are leeches. Yeah. And it's your job to figure out which people are there for you uh-huh. and which people are there to use you. Yeah. And like my circle of friends, that's the reason why over the last, I'd say, probably five years, I got to I can count five people on my hand that I hang out with all the time. And it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Mm-hmm. If I was to call them, they'd be here. But they also know the same as out of me. Yeah, like, of I'll course. be there for you. Yeah. I, I, I do things. I'm a firm believer in do things without getting anything in return. Like, if you really yeah. want to help somebody, help somebody. Like right. my biggest pet peeve in life is what really, really, really fucking burns my ass. I'm sorry if I can't cuss on air. No, you I can. can. It's, I don't it's know. an explicit show. You can say whatever you want. Is all these people that videotape giving money to a homeless guy oh. or buying them stuff and they put it on social media. Yeah. Why are you doing that? The only benefit that gives you is people say, oh, you're so awesome. If you really cared, in my opinion. Uh-huh. You would do it with no recognition whatsoever. Nobody right. needs to. Do this. No. Know what I mean? Nobody yeah. needs to know you do that. Right. No. It, it's a, it's almost like those ones where the person is taping somebody getting beat down or something, and then the person filming acts like they're the victim, and, and like they're kind of just kind of just using that to uh, 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 prop themselves up you know oh god I can't believe this has happened and it's like why aren't you doing anything why aren't you calling the police why aren't why are we just filming it and acting like you're the victim yeah like do you, do you take in consideration that 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 homeless guy is only letting you videotape him because you're giving him something but he's embarrassed as hell because he's probably like like I, I'm, I'm a compassionate person like I have a well like like the movie with Chris Kyle, the sheepdog. I love that saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard it, where you you have a capacity for violence, but you also have compassion for humanity. That's me. I'm both worlds. I don't have right. a problem being the guy on this shoulder and also being the guy on this shoulder because right. I've been in both spots in my life. I know how it is. Yeah. Well, you start to understand. You know, as we age, we start to understand the human condition a little bit more too, and become more understanding of other people that that. A lot of their anger and all these things, they come from hurt or, or you, you oh, don't yeah, know what happened in their life, so you got to be compassionate. You don't know, 
You know, you can make a judgment just based on seeing somebody, but until you know their story or, or the old saying, walked a mile in their shoes, then it's, it's not really fair to judge them or, or, or not be compassionate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people just don't, I mean, unless you've been on both sides of the fence, you don't know what that person's going through. Right. And, and there's also these memes on Facebook. What, what is it that says, um, oh, it just slipped my mind. Well, something similar to that about the, uh, oh, I've, uh, I've, I've walked a thousand miles for somebody who wouldn't step across the street for, for me. And it's like, every time I read that, I think is that sounds like more the ego speaking or, or uh, again, like we were talking about earlier. Well, that, well, that is to me, what that saying says to me is you went out of your way to help somebody because you wanted something in return. Yeah. Or to hold something over their head or like, oh man, I, I, I'll tell you what, like. I usually don't, I don't tell nobody stuff like this Mm because it's just, it's just stupid. I mean, not really stupid, but if people only knew the amount of things that I do for people that had no clue that I did it for them, right. You'd be blown away. Like, you know, for example, my wife and I all the time, I mean, all the time, like we just go out to dinner and see a family with kids. Um, and we just buy their whole family dinner and they're sitting there and we don't tell them. And I tell the waitress, I say, listen, I don't want no recognition. Right. I'll tip you what they would tip you. I, I don't need you to go tell them. Just say, hey, somebody was nice enough, paid for your dinner. And we sit there and finish our meal. But for me, the joy I get out of it is watching them be like, wow, that's somebody just paid for a whole dinner. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, well, because those little things like that can give somebody hope who may be hopeless. It's like it could be a little light, you know, a little crack of light in the darkness of their lives at that time, that, that small gesture. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, and, and the thing is, like, it's those little things that can take somebody off of a bad path mm-hmm. and put them back on a good path because they might have had a bad day. Yeah. For me, it's more of a it's more of a feeling because I don't do it all the time. We'll be out to eat, and I'll just get a feeling, and I'll be like, "Hey, follow it." Yeah. I told my wife, "So we're going to pay for the dinner." She's like, "All right, whatever. I don't care." And we just do it, like. We don't videotape it. We don't post it on social media. Hey, I paid for somebody's dinner today. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> that's just dumb. Yeah, that's dumb. Like, for yeah. me, that's just dumb. Yeah. Like, what's missing inside of you that you, you feel like you need to do that? Like, you, you obviously don't think you're a good person. That's why you're projecting. And Well, like, you know, like these videos where they post, they give money to these homeless people. I mm-hmm. wonder how many times after the camera's off, they take the money back. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I seen a video of a, a, a rapper giving this homeless guy like $400. Uh-huh. Great. I'm happy you did it. But right. did you really need to videotape it? Or are you just trying to promote your career? Yeah. You're just trying to get some likes on your new album. Yeah. You know, the like clouds. stuff like that. It's like I get, I get a business side, but at the same time, it's humanity. It's a human being. Like, have some compassion. You don't need to videotape that stuff. No. No. Give them some dignity, you know? That's... Yeah. They don't have that much, you, and that's again, it's little things. It's those kind of gifts that can change a per- person's life. The fact that you are willing to help them with no ever a chance of you know getting anything back in return, just knowing that that person wanted to help you in itself again gives you that hope. Like say you say you do something for somebody, and somebody else just happens to see you doing it, and videotapes it, and posts it on their social media, and then people are like, "Hey, who is this guy?" Yeah. And you have no clue. That's something totally different. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like you did it out of goodness of your heart and somebody just happened to catch a good a good deed on camera. That's awesome. Right. I appreciate those. 
but when you go out of your way to video court for somebody else's misfortune to, to make yourself happy, that's just that's just bad for me. That is. Um, jumping back to MMA a little bit, if you had a dream fight for you, any weight class, any fighter, past or present, who would it be and why? Who would challenge oh, you the man. way you wanted to be challenged? Myself. Wow. Myself, because like I told you earlier, like at the end of the day, there was never, I don't care who was across the cage from me. It was never a competition with them. It was always a competition with myself. Let's see what you could do. Like, yeah, I wanted to see what I could do. Well, I, in my whole fight career, I never cared to win or lose. Mm-hmm. Hands down. All right. I cared was no matter what performance I gave, I gave everything I had. Mm-hmm. And if I did get knocked down, it wasn't the last time I get up. Like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, I don't care how many times you get knocked down in life. You know, like that old saying, I think somebody said, uh, get knocked down seven, get up eight. As long yeah. as you keep getting up, it's never, it's never a failure. Or, or, because if you learn from a mistake, if you learn from that failure, is it really a say. failure? Right. Yeah. There, there are no real failures. I like that saying. I love it that there's, you know, like either I, I win or I learn something. Yeah. Oh yeah, I tell the kids that I coach that. Like, hey, you may have lost today, but what did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. Like, tell me what you learned. I'm like, okay, well then you didn't lose today because you had a, a valuable lesson in it, so you don't repeat it the next time. Right, and sometimes if so you if win all the time, any, you don't any, learn. No. So if I had to fight anybody, it would have been myself. And and I, I fought myself all the time when I was in the cage, and I still fight myself today in, in everyday life. What would you, if you could go back in time and give that guy standing in the cage for the very first time advice? Knowing everything you know now, what would you give him? What would you tell him? I'd have got divorced sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. High five on that one. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Speaking now, like, it, 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 here's the thing. I say that, but at the same time, I got three amazing kids with my ex-wife. If I right. wouldn't have met her, I wouldn't have had my kids. Right. My kids, my kids still teach me today valuable lessons. So, yes. would would I change? My ex-wife, no, because at the same time, I learned from the mistakes that right. her and I made, so I don't make them with my wife that I'm with now. Yes, we, we talk about that a lot, too. That That's helped us. We've, we got all the baggage to where we knew what was in it, and we could just let go of it and be like, okay, we, you know, we see what went wrong in those other situations, so, so now you're completely different people uh, who you need to be for each other. Does she get... Oh, yeah, and it, Go ahead. Does she get worried with the kind of work you do and things, or does she just trust? No, my wife. My wife's my wife's retired from the military, so oh, okay. Everybody, everybody thinks I was in the military because of the way I carry myself. And uh, I always tell them I'm not the badass. It's my wife. She's the one that did what, uh, tours in Iraq. What what branch? Uh, Army. Army. Who? Um, yeah. And, and thank you M- for your service. She was an MP. Oh, thank you for your service. I, I, yes, they uh, were quite vital in the work I did in the military as well. So. So shout out she, to her uh, and thanks for what you did for the country. Yeah, I think she was 19 and left. I think right after she enlisted, she left and went over to Iraq. Wow. And I think she was there. She was there for a while. I think she was there for the whole deployment. Mm. I could be mistaken on that. She's not here right now or she'd be like, no, that's not the way I have yeah, <laughs> We really don't talk about her uh, military background too much because mm. she has her own issues with PTSD and stuff. And of course. Understood. That's what made her and I so close too um, is right off the rip I knew she had 
because we'd be watching some certain movies and she would be all weirded out by certain stuff Mm -hmm. but what's great now is she said the one thing that um made her fall in love with me more is because i could tell when things were happening and i would take her mind off of it yeah and it was like she could get out of her super quick and she hasn't had any episodes for a very long time right yeah i uh the first person to help me uh i used to have uh real bad debilitating panic attacks uh have ptsd as well and uh my wife i joke with people all the time and i, I tell them that she's my my service person because she's so good at grounding me uh, uh i guess you know about grounding right a little bit about it yeah yeah she's really good at doing that with me and, and kind of pulling me through it and, and and since her there's like i've become more aware uh when they're about to happen so i can nip them in the bud and 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 keep them from happening which i think is the key because uh, once you're in those and, and they're blown, then it's just, it's really hard to get pulled out. Um, yeah. Hers was, hers was, I could always tell, but she would just get super quiet. She wouldn't talk. Yeah. And you go in your mind. And I, instead of, and what people don't understand about that too is they don't want you to act, well, at least my wife didn't say, hey, are you okay? What's the problem? Are you going to need anything? Double up. No, they don't need all that. They just no. need you to know you're there. Yes. And that, and that you're okay. Like, take your mind, like, I would just joke around with her when I could tell. Or I would be like, hey, let's go outside. Let's go do this. You want to go for a ride or something? Yeah, change the scene, change the temperature. And she said, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Little things that people don't understand until you're in that situation with Mm -hmm. somebody that has to deal with that on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's, I know that's not easy from, from your side, because I know it's not easy from my wife's side. That's just, um, who you are as as a person uh how like uh, how do i want to phrase it um did you know like early on that you was going to be dealing with this is this something that you, you know you made a decision because it's a big decision in a relationship and when i first started talking with my wife like i told everything up front because i didn't want I was so well, see, scared of weirding her out. Was she scared of that same thing? Like she might weird you out or? No, none of it ever weirded me out. Like mm-hmm. here's the crazy part. So, um, my wife actually was going through my divorce with me. Mm-hmm. Like long story short, my ex thought the grass was greener on the other side. And I happened to meet my wife during that process. Gotcha. Um, but from the very beginning, we've been honest like I told her, I was like, Hey, I think you're cool. I really think this could go somewhere. I've never been with somebody that like, I feel so comfortable with right off the rip. And I yes. just told her my, from what I told her, I said, I don't deal with drama. I don't want to fight and argue. Right. If you're looking for somebody to enjoy life with and have fun until the day we die, sweet, we can do this. And she said, good. That's the same way I am. Yeah. And then it was just the, how the PTSD thing came up about was, um, and she probably, she might actually kill me for telling people, but she, uh, we would just happen to be, like I said, watching a movie and I could just see her mood change. Mm-hmm. And then after I got her out, like started talking to her she, later down the road, she had told me that, you know, she has, it's not like super level high PTSD, but, mm-hmm. um, it affects anytime, anytime you're in war, yeah. like in my opinion, you're going to have some kind of repercussions of PTSD or some kind of trauma from being in the military. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we just worked through it. So ever, ever since that day, I just started noticing like, 
certain movies, sounds. Like, a lot of people, I don't know how you are, Mm -hmm. but my wife hates the 4th of July. Yeah. Most Mm -hmm. veterans I know hate the 4th of July. Right. Because of all the loud booms, Which and like she can't sleep too. You know, you know they're like you. You know, you, you should. You're you're a, a, a soldier. You don't like the Fourth of July, and it's hard to explain sometimes what yeah. what you feel inside yeah. and what you go through mentally. Oh, so like Fourth of July for us is like I actually. So we have in my neighborhood, we have a. Uh, um, it's like a neighborhood post on Facebook where mm-hmm. people can comment things and whatnot. So every year, Fourth of July, I get on there and say, "Hey, listen, I know the time's coming." just letting you guys know my wife was in the military you know she suffers from ptsd she does not like fireworks if you guys can refrain from firing around my house i'd appreciate it because she won't sleep she won't sleep for days right no yeah 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 that's it and people don't realize that most veterans that i know hate the holiday not because of the holiday but because of the fireworks because of fireworks yeah it's and i I hope she isn't mad at at you for talking about it we talk about um mental health quite a bit on, on this show because I don't feel like it's talked about enough or given enough yeah. uh, attention or respect. So, so I appreciate getting to hear other stories where people are, are have, have anywhere from just mental illnesses to traumas to PTSD, but they're still learning how to function and how to deal with it and, and how to be, you know, to give hope to those people who haven't maybe found their way there yet. That, that there is hope there, there is light at the, the, the end of the tunnel. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, I suffer from all the years of fight. I don't have PTSD, but I know I probably have some sort of brain trauma because CTE. I, I, I have bipolar moods like all the time. That's like there'll be. She'll she'll tell me she's she'll she can see it. Like I'll just I'll be happy one minute and then out of nowhere I'm just an ass. Yeah. I'm, I'm straight up. I'm just become an asshole. But my wife does the same thing. She doesn't poke buttons she doesn't keep hey what's the matter with you are you mad at me it doesn't offend her she just leaves no she just leaves me alone yeah like she'll she'll go to the point she'll just go hey i'm gonna go upstairs and watch tv let me know when you're okay like (laughs) and and then i'll either go work out do something burn the energy off and then i'll be fine But that's awesome because you get a chance to heal yourself at that time she knows it's good to have somebody knows because sometimes sometimes i need her right there and sometimes you don't, sometimes, right? So, yeah, yeah. You, you got to know your distance. So that's that's awesome that that you've taken the time to to know her that well and, and to learn her. Yeah, it's, I mean it's great when you have a partner in life that gets you and you get them, and Man. you guys can do your own. You guys can do your own thing, and then come together to make life even better. Yeah, it's it's it's. I told her it's the first time. And so I've been in other relationships. I was I was I was married before her. But never in my life did I ever, it always felt like me and them. It was never a we or an us. And this is the first relationship yeah. where it felt like a we or an us. And it's like, oh. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It always like, makes... you, you want to see, like I told my wife, like, she actually makes me believe in soulmates. Like, the, yeah. like the soulmate is actually one person that split into two mm-hmm. and separated and they finally found themselves back together. But what's even weirder about our story, you're not going to believe this. When I tell you this, you're gonna be like you're full of shit. <laughs> when I when I was when I was married to my ex wife, uh-huh. we were dropping a friend of ours off at the airport in Columbus that was enlisted in the army. Yeah, my wife now was at the same airport that oh, I wow. never met her. Hmm. Like that was when she was 19 and I was 
22. She was at the same airport getting dropped off and listed in the same in the same uh, branch. That they were getting ready to leave and go to Fort. I think it was Fort Bragg. Yeah. Or somewhere. They were leaving Columbus to go there for boot camp. Yeah. And how that came about was Fort when Jackson. her and I first got together. I was like, "How do you know Shannon?" She was like, oh, we were in the military together. I'm like, he used to be my roommate. We dropped him off at the airport. She was, oh, we were in the enlisted at the same time. We probably at the airport together. Man. So, like, it, like, blew my mind that. And then what's crazy is she lived in Georgia. I had worked at Walmart Distribution at the time. And she and she flew and got a job and transferred and ended up becoming my boss. <laughs> And that that's like that's and, and that's now it's for a living. Dots. Yeah. And that's how many dots came together for us to be together. They're like it's it's insane to think about. It, it is. It's weird how God, the universe, fate, soulmates, whatever you want to call it, whatever, you know, words you're comfortable with, but our story is so similar like um uh I'll just do a brief since I've mentioned it before, but I was a pro wrestler for about 20 years and, and she was around pro wrestling the same shows the same she was married to a pro another pro wrestler and we were basically around each other for 20 years but never met until after i had been divorced for a while and she hit me up because she saw that i was living in arizona and she was living in georgia and um <laughs> hit me up to to ask me about a, a team uh the start a conversation and, it, and it's so weird looking back you know you start to see more and more times where you could have intersected, but just just missed each other. And it's yeah. like sometimes I think I wish we'd have met each other sooner. But then, I, then I also think, would we have been able to be the couple we are now if we had? Uh, my wife and I say the same thing. Like if we'd have met when you was nineteen, would we still be together today? Yeah, yeah. Like, or did we have to? Because she was married before too. Or did we both have to go through the life struggles this path so that we could be the right so that we could be the right person for one another? That's so, and it's 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 weird. That's the first time I've heard somebody else tell a story so similar to mine too. So it's that is just even more fascinating and more. Well, like, I knew you were going to say shit. something because because as I was telling the story, you kept looking over at your wife. Yeah, because like, I told her when you said uh, when she was in Georgia, I said if I said if he says he was in Arizona, I'm going to shit my pants. He's not even going to believe me. <laughs> he is not going to fucking believe me. He's going to be like, now you're putting me on, motherfucker. Now you're putting me on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy how things happen in life. I, I mean, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's the yeah. way I look at things. Well, what do y'all do for recreation? What what does what does Jason and his wife or Jason do for, just for fun? Is it is your work your fun since it's your passion, or do you have other hobbies? No, or? My, no my, my fun is my kids. Like, uh, I, I mean, I lift weights, I work out, I, mm-hmm. I work every day, but, like, we're, we're a family-oriented family. Like, yes. everything is with my, my oldest son, you know, he played football in high school. He's getting ready to go play football at Capital University. Oh, wow. um, my one son, Leland, loves to play baseball. We got like we got five kids, a blended marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, all my kids are into sports, and then mm-hmm. my other two kids, Lexi, she loves planting, gardening. She likes drawing. She likes wow. like I mean, heck, they taught themselves to speak German and Spanish. My son, mm-hmm. tough, and they're and so like amazing. they're like my kids are all like sportsy, and then. My wife's kids and my kids are all like uh, artsy, gaming, intelligence. Like my, my one son, tough. He wants to be an engineer. He's a freshman in high school. He knows what he wants to do. Wow. 
I'm I, I'm almost fifty, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So that's definitely <laughs> yeah, that's definitely impressive to me. And it's great to have such a variety of different personalities too, because you you know as a parent you learn so much, and then for them from each other they learn so much with the different interests and, and backgrounds and things that that can bleed into each other, right? Oh, for sure. But if you ever came to my house, you would never know there was five kids here. Yeah. No, like Just... they're all in their rooms doing their own thing. And like people that come over and visit, they're like, are you guys' kids home? Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> here. They're all in their own rooms. It's crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah. Especially that, that many. Um, I know you said you couldn't watch MMA anymore. Do you keep up with it at all? Do you know anything about some of the upcoming fights or? I mean,. I heard about the Jake Paul Ben Askren oh, fight, God. which is like. Uh, what do you think about all that? On, I think that Jake Paul beat a guy who can't box in a boxing match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does he like he? On the one hand, he 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 does seem to be putting in the work, but he doesn't. Like you said, he doesn't want to fight people who are are going to challenge him. He seems to be looking for those guys who don't have the same kind of skill as him, but in another area where he can use it as cloud. But here's, like... the, but here's the thing, though. All these, bo- let's, let's be honest, okay? <coughs> in a real world, mm-hmm. in the real world situation, boxing isn't going to do shit for you. Mm-mm. Unless you're fighting a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Right, right. That's the reason why I think boxing guys don't ever try to come over to MMA and fight in a cage because they know they can't take down the fence. They don't have jujitsu and vice versa. Like if MMA guy goes and stands with a a strict boxer, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different stance. It's a whole different. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're not throwing kicks and elbows and everything, like, and I want to see if I had to fight all over again, I would have been a pro boxer because I love stand up. I love boxing. Like boxing is my thing. I love it. Plus it pays a hell of a lot more money than MMA ever did. Right. What what do you, is is there anybody uh, you're a fan of or any anybody you like to watch in boxing out there? Or? Um, I mean I'm old school, so like I I grew up watching Mike Tyson, and there hasn't been another heavyweight like Mike Tyson. No. Like, now I will say this: I do love Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. What so if he beats Joshua, has there been? No, he'll beat Joshua. We, yeah, we'll say he'll when beat he beats Joshua. Joshua. Is he is that going to be the first time? We're going to have unified champions. Is that the first time since Tyson, or has somebody done it since then? The, the, as I, far as I know, I don't think anybody's done it since Tyson, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that's I, I, I'm, and I'm sure somebody out there screaming and going, "You dumbass!" It's blah blah blah, but uh, just let me know in the comments right. of, of the show. <laughs> I'll fix it. Yeah. Um, MMA is. I love to watch it, and I like a lot of the guys with the same attitude you have. And have that old school in a fight. And two of my favorite fighters in MMA are the Diaz brothers. I love what they no, no, bring. No, for sure. I love Nick and Nate. Yeah, like just they're. I don't, they're... I'm, I don't necessarily like all the shit talking because right. I was never that guy. Right. But I love their fighting style. They just go out and get it. And, and at least with them, it, oh. it's 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 uh it's legit. Like this is how they grew up. You know, with that kind of shit talk attitude. That's what people did so it's they're they're not they're not mcgregoring it you know they're not pro wrestling it to me no, no, no. As, as that's, much as... that's nick and nate nick yeah. and nate are that's them period they, they're not gonna change and, and they'll fight you i mean their their ground game is amazing but 
they're unorthodox, just well, like some of their seen, combos and seen, stuff. Jake, you seen you seen Jake Paul called out Nate Diaz in a boxing match? Man, look, that's that ain't Ben Askren you talking no. to there, son. That ain't. <laughs> the thing is, I, I hate to even bring up Jake Paul's name. Like, it's it's it feels dirty. It's like it's like I wasn't even intrigued to watch it. Right, because no, I knew I wasn't Ben Askren was getting was going to get knocked out. Like he has. He has zero boxing. Like, he won his belts from wrestling and holding people down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... And, and the, guys, the guys that had any stand-up, he got knocked out. Quick. Yeah. Very quick. Quickest. Is it quickest ever, maybe, in MMA, I think? It was the... Yeah, he got quickest ever, yeah. ever. George Malkoldoff knocked him out in three seconds. Lord. I mean, at, at least he's number one at something, though, right? <laughs> Hey, you know what though? He made over a million dollars to get knocked out in thirty seconds. Right. That's and everybody, you know, you, you hear the. Okay, so I want to bring this up. Me and Chris were talking about this. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Um, since you say you don't keep up yes, with, I, I, I don't know if you have for a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you have the situation, but guys like me that have these pay per view parties, there's one at every party who's just. Oh, yeah, the guy that says, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? Yes, why didn't he just move? Why didn't, yes, it's, it's, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you try to explain to him, you know, in the best layman's term you, you can, and is it just useless to try to school these people, or they, is this, like, does it aggravate you? I mean, especially since you, you've been in the cage at a pro level that. Oh, no, so, like, when I do, like, there was a couple bars I would do security at, and, uh, they would hold pay-per-view event, pay-per-view in events, and I had to listen to it all night. Because imagine yeah. having a whole fucking bar of of guys who think they can fight. Yeah, yeah. Like, Never been in like, any kind of fight though, not even with their brother or sister. <laughs> like, here's the thing: just from knowing people and being in the security business and bodyguard business, ninety percent of the time, I can look at you and be like, "This guy knows how to handle himself." Right. Yeah. Like you can just. You can just tell by the way they carry themselves, by the way they walk. Uh-huh. And 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 truth be told, most guys that really know how to fight don't, don't. go start shit with no. people. No, they don't need to. There's no ego. That's quite the opposite. Yeah. You know how many times I've had a guy come up to me and, and mad and be like, oh, I'll, I'll tell you some stories here in a minute because okay. these are funny okay. ones. All right. But the guys are like, uh, I'd beat the shit out of you. And I'm just like, yep, you would. I'm just a big old softy, like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can beat me up. And they're like, yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, dude, I told you you could beat me up. Right, no, yeah. Seriously, I'm right. not trying to fight you. Like, I usually just walk away from it. Yeah. And you, then you get these guys, oh, my God, I'll tell you a story. So hopefully they don't come back and bite me in the ass. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing security, and this gentleman had stole some money from the bathroom. So we used to have this bathroom guy, um, I don't know if you've ever been to a nightclub where they got a bathroom attendant that gives you a breath mint, sprays you with cologne, yeah, yeah. type stuff, right? His name was Mike. Real cool dude. Uh -huh. Well, this dude tried to steal all of his money out of his bowl. Oh, shit. Like, and some of the other guys threw him out the club. And, you know, I, I run the security uh, for like two bars. I'm in charge of like 20 different people. The bars were across the street. Right. So oh, I right. come back across the street and they're like, hey, this guy got thrown out for trying to steal money. I'm like, all right, well, he can't come back in. So he comes up to me and he demands me give him his $10 back. He paid to get it. And I said, aren't you the dude that just tried to steal my dude's money he out of the bathroom? Like he was like, 
<laughs> I didn't try to steal that fucking dude's money. I'm like, yeah, you did. Uh, yes, yes, you did. Well, I had happened. I'm not going to name the police department, but I had two cops, one on each side of me. Uh-huh. And the guy goes, you lucky these cops were here. I beat the fuck out of you. Uh-huh. I said, bro, listen. Because the, the one thing with me is I hate thieves and I hate liars. Those are the two things I hate most in life. Yeah, yeah. And Mike is a really good friend of mine. Real cool dude. Uh-huh. And when he said that to me, I said, bro, listen, I don't care if these two cops are standing here. I was like, you tell me you're going to knock me out one more time. I said, I'm going to smack you and put your fucking ass to sleep. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I'll knock you the fuck. And I, I open hand slapped him and knocked him out. Oh, man. And, and, and uh, he got up and then he ran across the street and he started smacking himself. And he said, I ate that like a champ. The police like officer literally looked at him and said, no, 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 you didn't. No, they, you they, did. He just got, he's like. He's like, you just got slapped and went to sleep. No, not at all. You just, in the words of an immortal one, you got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he got he got slapped to sleep. Well, what's even funnier is, so my brother went over there and started to talk to the dude because he was talking about bringing his brothers back and shooting up oh, the club God. and everything yeah, else. Of course. So I go to the other bar that I work at to de-escalate the situation. I leave so he doesn't see me, so he doesn't keep going. We ended up leaving. <laughs> the funny part is I, I go back over and the, the one cop was like, Jay, he goes, that was a slap from God. He goes, <laughs> all the music stopped at the club. All you heard was slap and the mother went to sleep. Because <laughs> like, the, one, the one thing is like, with me is if you're friends with all the police, there's things that they're not allowed to do. Right. But would love to see happen. <laughs> yeah, so I I make shit happen sometimes. It's just there's there's no choice. Like I'm what? not saying it's right, but I'm not gonna let somebody threaten to beat me up or shoot me either. No, right? Yeah, no, because uh, a lot of times that's the beginning of an escalation, and if you're not ready oh, yeah. from it from that point forward, then you're slipping, and and somebody's gonna catch you. Dude, I learned a lesson a long time ago. I had I had a, a gentleman that threatened to go to his car and get his gun and shoot me. And when he said that, I chased him down. Uh-huh. I took him back to the building, and I and I got the police that were up there. They went and searched his car, and he had two AK-47s in his trunk. Man. So, yeah, ever since that time somebody threatens to shoot me, I don't I don't play. Yeah, no. No, you can't. You really can't. It's, it's not, That's one of the – with threats, people are so used to being in their cars, behind computers – Things like that. So when they're really in that situation, I don't even know if people know how to behave appropriately nowadays. You know, like they didn't no. have a good raisin, or, or or they've been raised by social media, or or something, and then then they think, you know, oh, I'm just playing around. Watch me, you know, threaten this dude, and then all of a sudden you're you're asleep, looking up, trying to figure out what happened, and counting the birdies and the yeah. stars. Yeah, it was uh, pe- people, people were just dumb. I, I, I love, I love, I love life. I love, right. I'll help anybody. But right. like some people just need slap the fuck out of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you, and you hope sometimes what, what's bad with him is, you know, he went over there, he's slapping himself and they're always going to do this and that. And it's one thing you've probably learned a lot is that there's people that talk about doing things and there's people that are going to do things. And like you said, oh, you yeah. can usually tell pretty quick, which is which. Um, well, like I knew, I knew a lot of the big players from working at these clubs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had an incident with a guy that, from what I know of him, he was a big time drug dealer in the area, and I just knew that there was a, a situation I had to deescalate. And if it didn't deescalate, they really would have came back and shot shot up the place. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
But luckily, from all the interactions I had with him and talked to him numerous times and I wouldn't say became friends, but like we were friendly when he came in. Yeah. I was able to de-escalate the situation and I'm like, dude, you really don't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, bro, I've been to jail. Shit don't bother me. I was like, yeah, but do you really want to go to jail Yeah. for this little motherfucker over here running his mouth? Like seriously, right. is it really worth all that? And he was like, I'm going to let this one slide. So it's just like situations like that where you, that's, you just have to know the situation. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess you know, experience. You seem to be a bit of a natural at it. I think I think certain people uh, just are better at picking up vibes in general. You know, you walk in a room and, and you kind of can feel it before you see anything or before any body language, and then there's usually some kind of body language, and that backs that up, and, and you just act on your instinct. And then I guess like anything else, like oh, yeah. I said, you do it enough times, then. But it also it also ruins your life too. Yeah. Yeah, because you you have to be because, that way twenty four seven. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you have these issues, but like with my wife's military background and then my background with security and bodyguard work, like when we go out to dinner, we fight Back. for the, yeah. the corner in the room where our backs to the wall, so yeah. we can see the whole place. Let me see where all the exits are. Yeah. Yeah. And we usually sit in the back of the restaurant by an exit and face the front door, so we can see everything. She she takes it so well too, like. I don't even think about it, you know, even when we were first going out to eat stuff, you know, we're sitting down and I'm giving her a tactical plan and, you know, you, yeah. you don't know how somebody's going to react to that, right? So it's, it's good to have somebody that's just like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And I, you know, I'm listening and I'm paying attention and yeah, that, that sounds logical. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. So we definitely get that part. Yeah. yeah. Society, society anymore. You, you really don't know what's going to happen when you go out. No, videos, if you just look at videos anywhere, it's it's so crazy. We saw one the other day of these uh, elderly ladies having um, breakfast, and this guy, I think he was mentally ill, but he came in and just grabbed, a, a, what was it, a coffee urn, and just started beating them with it. Uh, yeah, what, it's it, just nuts. You, you just never know. You know, at one minute, he doesn't appear to be a threat. He's walking around normal as can be. Looks like he's going to grab something. The next minute, he's grabbing an iron and, and beating him. It's like he really got to do. But be you aware. know what kills me about? Here's what kills me about that shit. Everybody that pulls out their fucking phone and That's fucking records instead about, of helping yeah. people. Yeah, and and then they use it for clout. They'll be on there like they're the victim. I can't believe I had to witness this. It's like you can't believe you had to witness this. Imagine if it was you taking the ass whooping. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. crazy. I, it's crazy to me anymore how, how society reacts to things and how people act to situations. and Yeah. Before we go, too, I wanted to um, – I was looking on your page a little bit. Um, do you do you uh, have, like, a clothing sponsor? Or do you sell clothing or, or... – Oh, no. So we own our, we own our own uh, – so my, my wife and I actually last year, right before COVID hit, we started a, an apparel company called Gorilla Strong. We ended up shutting it down because COVID ended up just, like, Shutting everything down. So we actually started uh, what's called True American Savage Apparel. Okay. And it's basically a patriotic company that supports veterans and military police (laughs) and just people who love this great country. We don't care what fucking color you are. If you're an American, you're an American. I I don't give a shit. Like, if you love this country, fucking awesome. I I appreciate you. So we started, uh, that's where I got the hat on, True American Savage. Very nice. Yeah, True American Savage, and then this is one of our shirts. It says "Stay Deadly." I like it. Um, 
I'm like, we got all kinds of things on there, man. Like, we're getting ready to drop two new shirts on Friday, and we're giving away 60 pairs of aviators, black on black aviators, for oh, wow. free to anybody that spends 50 bucks. Where where can people find that that stuff? Do you have a website or or do they need yeah, to look you up just on go Facebook? To, uh, you can you can follow us on uh, Facebook at True American Savage. Instagram is also True American Savage, and then our website is TrueAmericanSavage.com. And if anybody listening wants to go visit, you can use Patriot Ten save yourself ten percent off. And we also pay for shipping, so yeah, that's so you save awesome. yourself even more money. Oh wow! Um, what got you into to that business? What made you decide to do the clothing thing? So my wife, you know, my wife's a veteran, and mm-hmm. with this company, what we want to do is, as it grows, we want to be able to give back to veterans. Right. Like um, here locally, we just got in contact with a uh, motorcycle club called uh, Desert Knights, mm-hmm. which is a veteran motorcycle club. They do a lot of stuff for uh, veterans here in Circleville, and I think they're all across the country. Like it's an actual motorcycle club just for veterans. Yeah. But we just did all their apparel. Which is how motorcycle clubs actually started out. Not not that sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's uh-huh. actually how they started out as is veterans uh, riding motorcycles yeah. coming back and. Uh, so, that's- so we're teaming up with them. Um, July 17th, they're throwing a concert and we're going to set up an apparel booth and we're going to donate some of the money back to their cause to help out veterans. So we wanted to start this company to hope that it grows. Mm -hmm. That way we can give back to our communities and um, veterans because there's no reason why any veteran on the fucking planet should be homeless. Like zero. I don't know. It's like that's one thing that drives me absolutely nuts is they served this country, bled for this country, lost everything for this country and here we are just letting them run around the streets and there's nothing we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of them mentally ill and that's why they have to be in the streets and then you have, you know, the, uh, um, I, I really like a, 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 I don't know what you call them, a, 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 well, they help veterans, they're called Mission 22, it's for the 22 uh, veterans who commit yep, suicide. I've day. seen, yeah. so I've seen the shirts the, the, with the 22 on mm-hmm. it and then you got the 22 day push-up challenge and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, my saying is, I don't care who's president and until we don't have veterans committing that many suicides or any suicides a day, then it's not a great country. Again, to, to get to be a great country, we, we need to be there for the people who gave us the great country, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, everybody that's in this country right now owes everybody that ever served in the military past, present, future, their life, because otherwise we'd be like the rest of the countries that have no rights and have no freedoms. Yeah, a lot of people have not been to other countries, so they don't get that. They're, they're you know, grew up somewhere where, where they have a certain perspective of life based on simply their life experiences, and it's hard for them to understand that there's things outside of themselves, out, outside of the world, that there's there, there is bad guys out there that, you know, do want to do you harm yeah. and do want to do us harm long enough, and, Yeah, if you've been in the world of the military long enough or do security mm-hmm. or bodyguard work, you see those people face-to-face mm-hmm. all the time yeah, and you're like exists. like my for instance my kids ask me why can't i go outside and play by myself well because the world you're growing up in is not the same one i grew up in right <laughs> so yeah, always always have a battle yeah, buddy so, always in twos always yeah make sure somebody yeah, knows where you're at at all times yeah it's you, you you have to be that way now though yeah head on a swivel at all times and it sucks that you got to be that way but it's better than being six feet deep that's true, or you know, you know, losing a loved one and and just to see that it, yeah. it's horrible. Was there uh, anything else you wanted to talk about before we go? Uh, anything else going on, or 
Anything coming up? Or? Uh, um, not, I mean, just life in general. I mean, I just wish people would be nicer to one another and, and just help your neighbor. I don't know where it all went, but it used to be help your neighbor. Like, right. my neighbors love me to death because I help them all the time. Like, we had, not to get off track, but my neighbors before were 60 years old, and mm-hmm. I used to cut their grass for them all the time. Like, I wish people would do that stuff more often. Like, yeah. just stop being so cruel to one another and start helping each other out. Like the world has enough cruelty in it without everybody else falling on the bandwagon. That That's, that's definitely a, a good note to wrap it on. Just, you know, the old fashioned, as cliche as it is, uh, the golden rule, just do unto others as you'd have them do to you, you know, as you'd have them do to your family or your friends or your kids or your parents, or, you know, how would you want them treated and treat them with the same kind of compassion? Oh, yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll tell you a saying that um, we use on my old apparel company that I still use in life. Mm-hmm. It uh, it says, stay humble, stay motivated. If you have the ability to help somebody else along the way, please do so. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that, too. Well, man, thank you so much for doing my show. I appreciate you. It's It's been a, a great conversation. I hope to have you back on again uh, uh, sometime. And now that we've gotten to know each other a little bit, maybe we can find some oh, yeah, other fun sure. subjects to talk about. Maybe next time we'll... Maybe next time I'll bring my wife on. She can tell you some real good stories. Yes, I, yeah, I, there, there, I might have a few questions for her. We, I, I, I might be uh, nice enough to, to bring this one on. <laughs> uh, uh, let me let me let you say hello to her right hey. quick. This is my wife, Jen. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, Jen. She jumps in sometimes and has questions and things like that, but she's just kind of my, my, my service person, my backbone, uh, having me over here. Well, man, uh, thank you again for doing the show. Uh, uh Definitely come back on and, and, and wait for me right here as I wrap this up, and, and I'll get right back to you. Okay, man, thank you very much. Uh, I'll tell all my guests that uh, time is the most precious gift you can give, and I appreciate you greatly for giving me a gift of your time, man. Thanks so much. I truly appreciate you too, sir. Jen, I guess it is time for us to go. If you will say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>